You are the master of your reality. This is even more true in relation to the government. Democracy doesn't just happen. It takes participation. Governments need participation and feedback from their citizens. Join Rob Hutchinson for Dear Parliament, where you get to understand the issues and engage directly with government. Dear Parliament is every Wednesday at midday, only on 101.9 High FM. Advocate Anton Alberts, who is a member of parliament, has been a member of parliament for over 10 years, and has a now currently serving as in, in the provincial legislature, and is also the leader of the Freedom Front Plus in the Gauteng legislature. So the great thing, he has experience on all three levels of, of government. Anton, good day. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Rob. Fine, thanks. And you? Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Wonderful. Now, um, I mentioned there there's been some rather interesting developments on on pension funds and um Perhaps we can get into that just after you you tell us how what what the difference is between a petition and a proper public participation in in call for comments. Are petitions effective? Do they achieve what they want? And is it the most important or effective way for people to have their say in influence policy? Uh, Rob, petitions is a separate process from the formal public participation process. Um, requested in terms of um, regulation, issued new regulations. Uh, some of them require public participation, some of them don't. But when it comes to creating a new law and act of parliament, then there's always a public participation process. So when it comes to that specific act, it's always impo- important to participate. For there's very strong constitutional uh, reasons for doing that. Um, and, and the constitutional court has ruled in that regard that uh, public participation is not allowed to be a mere rubber stamp. It must be a substantive participation. And the parliament, when they create the act, must show that they, they take, they take into cons- uh, consideration the various opinions that were given on this, um, on this bill. At that stage, it's still a bill. Um, and that it was taken into cognizance and somehow is reflected in the bill. So if people don't participate when a bill um, has that process of public participation, then they actually take away their own constitutional rights to go to court and say um, that perhaps their opinions were not reflected in some way in the bill, and it became, became an act later. Uh, so that's very important in terms of constitutional checks and balances um, and, and when you want to apply to court. And then, of course, there's a petitions process, which is basically a broad process where you can petition Parliament to look at any matter that you feel is important. And um, there's a petitions process for the National uh, Assembly itself and also for the National Council of Provinces. They have two separate petitions committees. Um, and then you also have... Uh, petitions committees in all the um, the uh, provincial legislatures. Now, um, anything can be can be put to those committees. That's of, of importance. So, mm. a community can state that they don't have enough water. There's a lack of water um, infrastructure in the area, as an example, and then they can sign a petition, and that petition can then be taken to parliament. 
And for it to be submitted to the National Assembly specifically, you would need to engage a member of parliament to submit it on your behalf. So a member of parliament would have to be chosen. So you would have to go to any of the parties that you, that you think is willing to assist you. Um, or a specific MP that might be willing to assist you. There might be an MP that's well known for, let's say, water issues. Uh, irrespective of the party, you can approach that MP and that MP, if agreeable, can then submit that matter to the National Assembly for, with, to deal with it. Now, whether that's effective or not is a very big question because many petitions have been submitted to Parliament from, on various issues. And um, we don't really, from our point of view, see much movement in that regard. Um, the petitions committees are always chock and block full of petitions. Um, even the one in the Gauteng legislature, they cannot keep up. And it, it all has to do with poor governance in the end of the day. Uh, people are saying, what, we don't have homes, we don't have water, we don't have electricity, we don't have um, um, this or that, whatever the case may be, that government should have done, but government is dereliction of their duties. And therefore, people complain. But um, I've seen in, in these committees that those committees are overworked because of the um, the pure scope of applications to them, of petitions being made to them, and then getting any of those decisions that you have made. So let's say petitions committees say, well, okay, let's help these people to get uh, a water system in place in their community. Then they would have to approach the the um, department, and then they have to fight through the, all the red tape and political bias within the department itself, mm-hmm. and um, and that's a fight on its own. So it's it's a huge fight, um, and it's not, it, most of the time, it's actually not very successful. Um, people have become used to the fact that they get heard, um, but there's nothing that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. So petitions, yes, it is an option. It's always an option to do that. But in the end of the day, many organizations, like many of the larger um, uh, organizations in, in the public sphere, um, mm-hmm. uh, activist organizations, they would submit it just purely to get mileage out of the press to say yes. they've submitted this thing. And then hopefully that puts some pressure on government. But it, it's just part of a greater strategy. It's not a strategy in itself to, to bring about a solution. Mm, I think that's, that's a very important point there. It's, it's part of a, a, a larger strategy and a petition would perhaps show support for a certain point of view, obviously because everybody who signed that petition agrees with what was laid out in, in that petition. Whereas, Public participation in a call for comment offers people up the opportunity to have their say, whether for or against, or provide an alternative solution or solutions to whatever government is is proposing. Um, on on that, the government has put out a, a call on the an amendment to the Pension Funds Act. Um, won't you? Do you, what in the inside knowledge? I know you're you're quite a highly qualified advocate here. I see <laughs> you, you've got several degrees of BA law and LLB and LLM international law and uh, MPhil, and you're currently uh, studying um, to uh, get an international law. Uh, what was it? A doctorate in international law. 
and Orange. I also have a Canadian LLB. And your background, from from what I understand, or, or area of expertise, or one of your areas of expertise is pensions. Um, yes. What What are the threats facing uh, pension fund members, uh, pension funds themselves, or generally pension funds? In, in regards to these amendments to Regulation 28, Investment in Infrastructure, and and so on. Maybe just a bit of background. Uh, most of my experience relating to pension funds came about from the Transnet pensions case um, that was settled about uh, two years ago. Um, that was a nine-year fight. And during that nine-year fight, we realized that many of the government pension funds do not fall under the Pension Funds Act of 1956 that regulates regular pension or private pension funds. Um, and, and the Pension Fund Act provide a lot of protections in terms of you know, transparency regulations and these type of things, which the government pension funds don't have, especially now the GEPF, if we talk about that one, is the largest fund in South Africa, almost 2 trillion rand value. And um, those pensioners don't have much recourse if anything goes wrong in that fund. The same happened with the Transnet pensioners. So um, the the big danger now is, of course, that uh, if we look at the GPF, which is a fund where you can take out a few billion rand at a stage, and it won't look like it really dents the fund because it's a two trillion rand fund. Um, so we have Iqbal Survey and various other people who receive um, loans and investments for the um, the paper group that they bought, the independent group and for their ventures into the um, IT world. And about 6 billion rand was written off from the GPF fund um, because it was a poor investment. And um, 6 billion rand is nothing in comparison with 2 trillion rand. But in the end of the day, um, all of those billions of rands add up. And the problem is that um, a fund like that, who doesn't fall under the Pension Funds Act, um, is basically dictated by government and because the um, the investment agent is the public investment corporation uh, or investment manager. And um, the investment manager decides basically what happens. And they've made those investments already in friends of government or government-related um, projects, and which are just poor projects in the end of the day. Um, and those people don't have any recourse. Now, government is now also looking at private funds to do that, and that's why they're looking at Regulation 28. Regulation 28 arises from the Pension Funds Act 1956, which regulates private funds. And as you said, rightly, that government is intending to create a special class of investments where um, private funds must also invest. Now, they're saying that they're not going to force the investment, so it's not prescribed assets as such <clears throat> in the strict sense of the word. Um, it's basically your investment manager will decide, um, will I invest in this new road that the government's going to build or this new port or whatever the case may be. But we know from experience that anything that the government touches, any project, whether it's an ESCOM project or SAA, it just ends up <laughs> in a complete mess. And there's just um, what it does create is an avenue or a trough for government-related parties to go and eat. And the money also always flows back to the ANC itself in the end of the day. So it's for them a, a perfect world. 
And they're running out of money. Um, we've, we've seen that the um, Minister Tito Mboweni basically admitted South Africa doesn't have more, any more money. We don't have any more money to, to deal with the COVID-19 shocks that we've been dealt with. We, we have nothing left. So um, they're going to have to look at something else. So uh, over and above looking at loans from the World Bank and IMF and where else they can find loans, maybe from China, they will be looking at what do they have at home. There, there are two large groups of funds available right now that's still quite strong. And um, the one is the, is the, 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 not the pension funds itself, um, that's the largest fund, but the um, medical aid funds, that's the one. And we're going to see that being attacked when they try to implement the national health insurance. And then the largest one, the, the final remaining one, would be the pension funds. Um, and South Africa has a very good pension fund system. About 30% of the population are members of pension funds. We actually need to increase that to make our country more healthy. But instead of that happening, the government is now going to look in ways to get money out of those funds. So they'll start off by saying to pension fund managers, well, would you please invest in this and that that we're going to do? And pension fund managers are very compliant to a great degree. I have yet to meet pension fund managers that are activists and fight government when it comes to these things. They would say, oh, yes, okay, well, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll pour some money into that project. So your money, wherever it's being held at the moment, will find its way into a government project. And chances are very good, 90% plus, that the project will fail. And it will not have any success and it will not give you any yield in terms of, of income. So you can write that money off, basically. And what's interesting is that they're going to do the same um, with the uh, Government Employment Pension Fund, the GEPF. They've just amended the Public Investment Corporation Act. And Section 10 of that act basically states that, once again, if the, um, the PIC thinks it is a, a sensible decision to do so, they can invest in government funds and government projects. So that's where we stand at the moment. They are really looking at opening that door and they, they're using language to say it's not compulsory to do that. But it's very easy to make it compulsory by applying pressure on investment managers. But, you know, because investment managers all have to be licensed and re-licensed every few years. And you get uh, your license yes. from government institutions. So you're controlled by government. And so they just say, well, you know what, you know, you're dependent on us. So they don't say it explicitly, but they do say that in a way that comes across. And um, it'll be good for you, you know, just to send a little bit of that money of yours to this project of ours. And that's what's going to happen. And your pension fund will therefore be harmed because of what's happening right now. Absolutely. And I think we've seen that. And I think we can, we all know we've, we've got history to prove it that although infrastructure investment for pension funds might be quite attractive in theoretically, it should be lucrative as it's a, as it's a long term yeah. inv investment. You can still see government has um, failed in, in projects like, uh, for instance, Madupi and Kasile, which are tw 10 times over budget, Absolutely. failing at all levels and, and so on. And I tend to agree with you that uh, although this this amendment to, to Regulation 28 doesn't specifically say we are enforcing prescribed assets now, 
it is the pathway to it. It's an easy door. Once yes. they, they're raising the limits here, once the uh, lim- once the pension fund asset managers get uh, accustomed to the idea of investing in infrastructure, there's no doubt they're going to say, right, you've invested in it. Now it's mandatory. Off, off we go. And that is definitely a threat that we must have a look at. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. Now, just before the break, we were chatting to advocate Anton Alberts about the threats facing pension funds and your pension fund in, in particular because of changes and alterations to government regulations. Now, would you invest your, would you want your pension fund to be invested in, in government infrastructure? Why not send us, send us an answer or your comment on our SMS line, that's 34519. 34519. Advocate Anton Alberts, take us through on how we can now protect our pension funds from abuse by either government or unscrupulous pension fund managers. Yeah, Rob, I think um, it's the old thing that we have to stand together. If we look at the ETOLs, it's a very good example and how that gave rise to Outlook as an mm. organization that first had a mandate to fight the ETOLs itself. And they were very successful, and they were hailed as heroes. Um, mm-hmm. And then they actually transformed their organization into a broader mandate to fight any irregularities with regard to um, um, you know, tax abuse and those type of things. Um, we've taken that lesson, and, and we've launched um, our own organization. We call it Pension Protect. Um, and it's a, uh, a public interest organization that... This mandate is basically solely focused on protecting people's pension interest in South Africa. And there are two main reasons for this. And first is, is that um, as, as a, from a broad picture, South Africa was going to really implode if we do not protect our pensions. The pensions are our last stand from a financial point of view in South Africa. If the pension funds are abused and destroyed in some way, um, then financially South Africa will be in big trouble, finally. We are in big trouble already, but but then we will be in truly big trouble. We will be really speeding towards the Zimbabwe situation. Mm-hmm. A financial implosion leading to socioeconomic implosion, leading to um, a basically a, a, a situation where there will be so much unrest um, with the poverty that's going on and so on. So, We need to save the pension funds in South Africa and we need to actually try to accelerate savings and ensure that more people do have membership of pension funds. So we formed this organization as a pressure group, Pension Protect. Um, We're only a couple of weeks old right now. We worked on this for a couple of months, but we launched, we had a soft launch about two weeks ago. And you can read more about us at the following um, web address www.pensionprotect.co.za um, and basically it consists of myself, uh, advocate Ich Bredenkamp, AC, a senior advocate, and uh, Mr. Pete Smith, who's an auditor, and we've pulled in a couple of other people like Darby Rudd as advisors and so forth, and we also have some of the advocates who acted on behalf of the Transnet Pension Funds. Um, on our panel. So we would, if we would need to go to court to litigate, we would be using them. 
So this organization obviously um, needs to, to be funded. So we ask membership fees, um, very low membership fees, and consists of um, two types of memberships. The one uh, are for pensioners themselves. So if you're a pensioner, you can join at um, 79 Rand per month. And if you're a working member of a pension fund, then you can join at 119 Rand per month. And um, it's actually nothing compared to what you're getting in return. Um, we've already embarked upon a competition commission um, application whereby we are stating that the Public Investment Corporation um, has a monopoly in investing the funds of the GEPF mm. and some of the other funds that they manage, like the UIF and so forth. Um, there's no legislation in place that compels any of the organizations like the UIF and the GEPF to use the PIC, but they use the PIC because of political reasons, nothing else. And mm. that's already danger signs. So we've applied to the, um, to the um, Competition Commission to declare it a monopoly and to break it up to, so that at least uh, 10 more funds, fund managers can come in play to also manage those funds. Mm. So um, we worked out that this, the work on this application is already around 200,000 Rand in terms of legal fees and the um, audit fees and so forth for submission of this application. But you would have access to that, um, you know, by just paying the 119 Rand a month or the 79 Rand a month. Um, you would actually um, be, be part of this at a very reduced rate. So that's basically um, how we we situated ourselves and created our, I don't want to say business model, but how we created our our activism model to try and help people in pension funds. So anybody who's part of a pension fund, it might be a private one or a public one, a government one, can join. And if that person believes that in their fund um, there are problems, you know, we're not only talking about government interventions here that might be problematic, but even mismanagement in funds itself. And there's a lot of private funds where funny things are happening. Mm -hmm. You can actually present us with, with what's going on and we can investigate and see in what way can we try and resolve the problems in that fund. Now, we're not going to go and take everyone to court. We first want to um, interact, of course, and lie haze with the funds and see if we can't resolve the problem internally. Um, but eventually, you know, if we run out of um, remedies, the fund is not, the trustees are not willing to cooperate, whatever the case may be, and we go to the uh, funds adjudicator, if the fund does fall under the jurisdiction of the funds adjudicator, and there's no joy there, we will eventually then say, okay, well, let's see if we can do a court process. Let's, let's send them a lawyer's letter and see what happens. Um, mm. So that's the type of service that we will deliver. Um, as a start. And then, of course, there are the more softer services where if you join us, then there are uh, pages that's open to you behind the paywall where you can have access to uh, pension advice, um, access to um, service providers that are connected with us where you can ask them questions and ask advice as well in terms of your financial planning, pension planning, and so forth. Um, so that's basically... We, what we decided to set up is to create not only a fighting unit, but also a, um, an organization that can help educate people 
and help them make better decisions and plan going forward. That's brilliant. That's brilliant because we are so often misled by these wonderful promises made by brokers who are just seeking to look after their own interests and collect commission at, at the end of the day. We don't know. Uh, the layman doesn't know what the, what's a good investment, what's a bad investment. So what you're creating is sort of a a watchdog over uh, pension fund managers, pension funds themselves, while also trying to split up the two trillion rand monopoly that that government has within there, which is uh, a threat to 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 which is going to get raided. We we assume and therefore pose a threat to to society. It's a absolutely wonderful initiative, and uh, I thank you. I think it's sorely needed, and. I'll definitely be be joining as as a as a citizen, concerned citizen, wondering where my pension's going, and mm-hmm. hopefully you'll you'll see great success success, success in that. Thank you very much, um, Advocate Anton Alberts, for for bringing across your views, for letting us know the ins and outs, and I'm absolutely sure that our listeners had a a great time in understanding the the threats plus the proposed solutions and protection methods that, that, that we have. We'll definitely be having you on soon again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it.